Well, that was good singing tonight, and this is a hymn that we have not sung for a long time, but the words are very precious and good as we think about lifting our praise unto the Lord. Come, thou almighty King, help us thy name to sing. Help us to praise, Father all-glorious, over all victorious, come and reign over us, ancient of days. May the Lord bless these words that we have sung to our own hearts as we offer them in praise to Him. Let's bow now before the Lord in thanksgiving. Father, as we come tonight to another evening service on a Lord's Day, we offer our thanksgiving and our worship, Father, for all that we have received so freely and graciously and kindly from Your hands Lord, we know that every good and perfect gift comes down from our Father in heaven. And we are thankful tonight for the measure of health and strength given, the ability to be here in your house, your people. And Lord, we are asking tonight that there would be joy and a true heart of devotion unto our Savior Bless every one gathered in. Bless every family represented. Be with those watching our service online tonight. And may there be a blessing from the Spirit of God taking the Scripture, writing its truth upon our, our minds and hearts. And Lord, we desire to be changed more into the likeness of our Savior. We are praying for that speedy work of sanctification to be done in all our hearts. And Lord, let us not resist by the arm of flesh or by the willfulness of our own hearts, but rather let us open our souls wide and say, Lord, come and work in us, work through us. Let us be used for the extension of your kingdom in whatever way, into whatever capacity, Lord, it might please you. We want to make ourselves open and ready and willing to serve. Father, hear our prayer. Bless the witness, the outreach, the personal uh, tract witnessing, the testifying that is done to neighbors and friends. And Lord, give us the joy, we pray, of leading the souls to Christ. Bring in those who are unsaved into our services that as they hear the Word of God, as they hear the presentation of the truth of Christ, they might come to bow their hearts and their souls before the living God. Father, remember the Hamilton family tonight as they grieve the loss of a dear mother and wife. We pray that You would bless in all of the plans for the services coming up this week. Lord, undertake for all the times of reflection, the times of speaking and endearing words about a lost loved one. And Father, may the Spirit of God draw very, very near to comfort and to strengthen and help in this time of need. Remember those in our congregation who have also lost loved ones recently, perhaps been bereaved from some time Lord, pour out Your Spirit upon them and bless them abundantly and encourage their hearts. And Father, receive, we pray, from all of us the adoration and worship that is due and worthy to Your holy name. We want to be a people sanctified and set apart for the Master's use. Lord, make use of us, every family. Pour out Your Spirit abundantly upon us all, we pray, let no one be left on the outskirts of blessing. O oh Lord, hear our prayer tonight, we ask. Be with us, Lord, as we read the Scriptures and look into the Word. May there be encouragement to every heart. So hear our prayers tonight. Pour out Your Spirit, Lord, upon our different churches, in our fellowship. We think of the work in Port Hope tonight, and especially as they are saying farewell to Aaron and Raya, that you would bless 
that congregation and be with Brother Cranston as he needs strength, Lord, to continue on in the ministry. Bless Brother Simon as he brings the word tonight. And Lord, may all of our churches know much blessing from your hand. We pray for the church in Calgary that does not have a pastor at this time. And Brother Simon, as you'll be going out there uh, next Lord's Day, bless, we pray, that ministry. Put your hand upon Brother Fitton as he commences his work in Cloverdale. Watch over the work in Phoenix, Arizona. Bless, we pray, the work this coming weekend in Cordoba as they look forward to the ordination and the bringing together of that congregation under the umbrella of the free church. Lord, bless and pour out Your Spirit in a mighty way, we pray, and encourage them as they see that work stepping forward into the next stage of its development. Father, hear our prayers now tonight. Draw near to us and bless us, we pray. In Jesus' holy name we ask. Amen. We're going to sing again, please, number 298, Are You Washed in the Blood? Let's stand as we sing, 298. Good singing and good praise to the Lord tonight. This is the second Lord's Day of the month, and afterward tonight we're going to spend just a few moments, uh, ten minutes or so, singing some of your uh, favorite songs and hymns. So keep that in mind as we come to the close of our service tonight. If you're able to stay, you're very welcome to do that. Turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under His feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. We know the Lord will bless his word to our hearts as we have read tonight, and we hope that you will see the connection of this scripture that we have read tonight with the word that we want to think on a little bit later. Welcome to our evening service. We pray the Lord would bless you and encourage your heart and uh, those who are gathered in person tonight and those who are viewing our service online, you're very, very welcome and we trust the Lord will richly bless you all as we meditate on His Word. Remember, please, some very important things in prayer. We want to think about the Hamilton family, Reverend Stephen Hamilton, in the loss of his dear wife, June. She went home to be with the Lord on Friday afternoon peacefully. 
Stephen had just finished reading to her Psalm 23, and she just closed her eyes and went home to be with the Lord. It was very still and very peaceful, and Stephen is thankful to God that he has taken her home at this time, and they have gone through some times of difficulty where they have seen their his beloved wife and the mother of the two, his two daughters. She was fading in front of them and going downhill, and it was very hard for them to see that, but they are thankful that she is at peace now and with the Lord. So do please remember the family. This Thursday there will be a service in Walnutport, Pennsylvania, and then on Saturday will be the interment in Greenville, South Carolina. Brother Stephen Pollock will be at the service uh, on Saturday down in Greenville, he's hoping. And this is also the same week that camp uh, begins, and so there'll be some challenges just of organization, but I do remember all the people at this time. Please also continue to remember Isabel Glynn and Ted in your prayers. Isabel is in rehabilitation now from her hip surgery, and uh, Ted, uh, they're needing your prayers at this time, and do remember him, please. Don't forget also uh, my sister Sharon. Uh, Sharon is at home at this moment. She was in the hospital for, well, just several hours, a setback she had, and would appreciate very much your prayers for her at this time. And we're not forgetting also Brother Bodner and the other ones in our congregation that need our continual uh, prayers for them. Let's not forget to remember the persecuted church, Christians who are suffering for the cause of Christ in many different parts of the world. The persecution is intensifying, and we, in the times and the freedom that we enjoy in our land, well, we want not to forget those who are suffering at this time. Please remember also in your prayers the youth camp that is beginning uh, this uh, very shortly, and then also our upcoming Young Adult Conference, August the 2nd to the 6th. And could I ask you, as I mentioned this morning, we need to have accommodation for two of the young men who are from Mexico, and if your home could be open to help them, take them for about a week or so, that would be very, very helpful and encouraging to them as well. Those are all the ministry announcements that we have at this time. We're going to sing again to the Lord's praise, number 214. 214, standing on the promises of Christ the King. And we will stand as we sing.
the promise is I cannot fail, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God. If we try to stand on human reasoning, human counsel, human advice, sometimes it might work, sometimes it might turn out okay, but many times it is not reliable. Thank God, believer, tonight when we have God's precious Word, it is strong, it's a sure foundation. He will never fail us, and that Word and foundation will never fail, and therefore we have the great hope and joy of resting in Him. Let that be our confidence. Let that carry us forward. When tomorrow morning comes and the unexpected issue arises, well, let us be sure that Christ is on our side. The final verse. that was good singing, and it was good to hear Jaden and Janelle. They were singing out with all their hearts, and uh, that's an encouraging thing. And sometimes, you know, you look down at adults, and their lips are just kind of moving a bit like this, and nobody's singing too much. Well, shame when you hear these little ones there praising God with all their hearts, and that's a great thing. Let's turn, please, in our Bibles again to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, and we are going to read again from verse 16, this time 16 to 18. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Bow, please, in prayer. Father, as we have been singing about standing on the Word of God, on these great and effectual promises, that are secured in the merit of Christ, in the very Word that has been spoken, revealed to us by the Holy Spirit to our hearts. And dear Father, tonight, as we have this Word open, we pray it will be written on our hearts. Lord, give us all alertness of mind. Take away sleepiness. Give us, we pray, the application of the Holy Spirit to our hearts, hearing ears, understanding hearts. Lord, give me strength tonight, I pray, to speak this word with the authority of heaven, and let it be a word for every heart, for every soul. Lord, bless us tonight. Father, are there any unsaved here? Lord, are there any watching online tonight. Blessed Holy Spirit, do your work that we cannot do. Convict and convert, we pray, for the glory and the honor of our blessed Lord Jesus, for it's in His name that we ask and pray tonight. Amen. Matthew 28 is known well to us as believers 
the great account of the resurrection of Christ, where the angel said, He is not here, He is risen, He is risen from the dead. Well, of course, that caused a great stirring among all the Jews when they heard that going around. And the soldiers that were there guarding, well, they were paid big money to say that the disciples of Christ came and stole him away. That myth continues unto this day. And those who are unbelievers and those who are the antagonistic against the Bible, they will latch on to that or some similar um, idea that Jesus did not rise from the dead, but that it was only an image, it was only a myth, it was only some kind of a sham. For those who know Christ in their hearts, we have believed by faith, not seeing with our natural physical eye, but seeing most definitely with the eye of faith that what is transpired within our hearts is a revelation by the Holy Spirit that Jesus indeed not only was crucified, went to the grave, but gloriously rose from the dead and has ascended to glory. But before that ascension took place, He appeared several times to His disciples, and we are told in the book of Acts to over 500 brethren at one time. When the Lord appeared to His eleven disciples, as we have recorded for us here in this portion of the Word of God, He appeared to them in a place that He told them about before He was crucified. He said, I will appear unto you in Galilee. We thought this morning about the, that particular reference here given in Matthew 28, because it was a designated position and place. It was a mountain place. It was something that He had appointed them to go and see, and it was something that they were familiar with. And we thought about what it meant to be brought up into a mountain place, a high place, higher ground, if you like, of fellowship with Christ, of what that means to us in our Christian experience day by day. And the question comes to all of us, doesn't it? Are we walking with the Lord on that higher ground? Are we communing with our Lord in the mountain place experience? We spend much of our time in the busyness of life, being distracted by things. But you know, just because we are about those activities on a daily basis, it does not mean that we cannot experience that very close communion with Christ, walking with Him talking with Him, communing with Him, enjoying His fellowship and presence day by day, because that's what He wants us to do. That's what He wanted these disciples to do. That's why He met with them and appointed them a place. He had something important to tell them. And whenever we meet with Christ in His Word, He has something important to tell us. Let's come to the Bible with that anticipation. Let's come to the Scripture waiting to hear what the Lord has got for us because if we come to the Bible and just read it as any other book or read it because we've got to go through our daily reading and tick off the boxes, no, that's not the right way to do it. We want to come to the Word of God with a heart that's open and pray that we will see our Savior revealed to us in the Word because when we meet Him there, it will be a great spiritual encouragement and blessing and food for our souls and we will be able to go on from strength to strength. Some statements in the Bible, they seem to veil the glory of God and speak in such terms as, well, they're just too common. In contrast to that, the declaration that Jesus made here in this chapter that all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, it defines the character and the place that Jesus Christ possesses. It's a fearful thing to step out and to talk about such a great declaration as this, because whenever we try with our human ability to speak about the glory of Christ, 
about the power that He has, about His majesty and holiness, we find ourselves so limited. And yet, we have this Word before us, and we want to think about the greatness of its meaning. Of all the post-resurrection appearances of Christ and the instructions to His disciples, I suggest to you that this statement ranks among the highest, the greatest of statements. The disciples had obeyed the Lord in going to that mountain destination. And when Jesus appeared and spoke to them after He had risen from the dead, they knew it was their Messiah. Some had a little uncertainty. It says they doubted. It doesn't mean that they were unbelievers. It doesn't mean that they were going to ignore completely. It just means they, had, they were uncertain. And we ourselves know of the uncertain times that we have. But make no doubt about it, these eleven disciples, these apostles, they embraced the risen Christ and they believed in Him and they acknowledged as they worshipped Him the omnipotence, the authority that He had over all creation. Friends, as we consider tonight the power of this statement, let us not miss what it means for us. So, the number two is on the screen behind me tonight, and it's really the second point or second point of the part of the message we want to bring to you, a defining statement of the risen King, all power is given unto me. When you think about that, does a question not rise in your mind? What does it mean? What is the meaning of this statement when it says, all power is given unto me? The Son of God, who we designate as the second person of the Trinity, is the creator of all things both seen and unseen. In John 1 verse 3, we are told, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Colossians chapter 1, we are told, for by Him were all things created that are in heaven, and He is before all things, and by Him all things things consist. And in Hebrews 1 and verse 10, And Thou, Lord, in the beginning hath laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of Thy hands. And so the picture is given to us of the Son of God, the Creator, with His own hands, forming all of creation from the things that are so minute you cannot see them with the natural eye, to the things that are so immense that you cannot comprehend the size of them. You cannot read these Scriptures without standing in awe of the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is not only the Son of God, but He is God the Son. And so as the disciples worshipped Him, they did so acknowledging Him that He was their Lord and their God. For if they were to worship Him as a man, it would have been idolatry, it would have been blasphemous. But they acknowledged who He was. So how then can it be said that power was given unto him. What does this mean? The statement as all Scripture to be understood properly, it must be seen in the context that it is given, but it also must be understood in the analogy of faith in all of the Scripture. And so when we think about that statement, it must be considered in the context of the theanthropic person of Jesus Christ. He is the God-man. The God-man who was vested 
with the office of mediator for the purpose to redeem the people, his own people, that were given unto him by his Father in the covenant of redemption. In John chapter 6 and verse 37, Jesus said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And so, as God the Father gave to His only begotten Son a people by covenant decree, Jesus Christ was vested with the office of being the mediator in order that He might redeem those people that were given to Him. And so, there is a doctrine called the eternal subordination of the Son. And it is a doctrine that states that Christ, though equal in essence with the Father, of the same being, of the same nature, and along with the Holy Spirit, He, though willingly, submits Himself to His Father in order to fulfill the will of His Father. And this is a unique submission or a unique subordination, and it's unlike anything that is known or fully understood in a human context. And yet the closest illustration that we can come up with would be between an earthly father and an earthly son. As the son is in the childhood days, the father exercises his authority over the Son to teach him and train him and correct him if necessary. And so a father would give a directive to a son, do this, don't do that, come here, go there. But as the son in loving respect and response to the father obeys and he grows and grows, now he becomes a young man. And the young man takes part in the family business, be it a farming business or any other type of business for that matter. And the son begins to exercise his authority in the family business. In a very small way, I can remember what that felt like in uh, this particular case. In our family printing business, as I was growing up there and learning all the parts of the business, running a press and doing all those types of things of helping to manage the uh, warehouse and things of that nature. I can remember that uh, we went, the auctions would come up in different businesses where one business would go out of, out of business, and so you'd go to an auction and there would be pieces of equipment that would be valuable and you could use in the purpose. So I can remember as a young man being sent by my father to one of those auctions, and he gave me the authority to bid on a particular piece of machinery, and if I felt it was valuable, I had the authority to buy it. Now, that was quite an interesting experience. I'd never had that before, because I was spending somebody else's money, and there was a lot of money, and yet I knew that I had that authority from my father to be able to do that. And as a business would develop, or as a son would grow in that business, Eventually, the position of the father and the influence in that business and his involvement in it would become less and less as he gets older and older. And so the son would become greater and greater in that business. And then it, there comes a day when the son would be making the decisions. He would be making all the decisions and yet, as the father was still in the background and there, the decisions would be made not in opposition to the father because they, he is well respected, but it would be in conjunction with and going along in the same route. And if that harmony was there in that family business, we know it's not always perfect because there is disharmony because of the sinful nature that we have, but nonetheless, that is about the closest illustration you could come to to try and understand the relationship between Christ and His Father and the eternal subordination that He exercises toward His Father in all of eternity and in all that He was commissioned to do, i.e., to come to redeem a people 
unto Himself. The unity and the harmony that is absolutely perfect in the Godhead is something that we cannot fully understand. And yet when we uh, try to grasp this working relationship, the authority and the power that was given to Christ in order to redeem, in order to atone, in order to direct and protect and to make us as His people more than conquerors through Him that loved us, Christ Jesus exercises all that authority, and that is the context wherewith He spoke those words to His disciples, all power is given unto Me. In one sense, this power is given to Him as a reward of His suffering and to fulfill the will of His Father in bringing many sons to glory. And when the Savior rose from the dead by His own power, He now assumes the rightful place as mediator and intercessor, and He pleads for and is ordering all things to work toward culminating that every one of His people will be saved and brought into salvation, into His body, and He, seeing that, will be sure that every single one will persevere unto the end until brought to glory. This is the authority and the power that is said to be given to the Redeemer. And in ordering and arranging all events, and note this, Christ is arranging and ordering all events and all empires and all the enemies of Christ as well are being used to complete one single and sole purpose, and it is the building up of the church of Christ, His body, to bring all unto glory eventually. Friend, this is the cause and the purpose for which Christ is active in today in His mediatorial work. It shows us that the world is merely the scaffolding in order to see the church of Christ built. Never lose sight of that truth. All this world and every empire and every emperor and president, they're all serving a greater purpose of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they're all going to fulfill having worked together for Christ's honor and glory according to His power. And therefore He says, all power is given unto Me. Submissive to His Father, His heavenly Father happily and willingly seeing His Son fulfilling all the purpose that He came to do. My friend, let's think also in this statement it deals with something of a magnitude that is beyond our comprehension. For Jesus said, all power. The word power is also translated authority. We see that in John 1 verse 12 where Jesus said, or John said, but as many as received Christ, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Exactly the same word power. It's the word authority. He gave them the right to become the sons and the daughters of God. And to Christ is given all authority or power to complete His mission. You know, when He was born in Bethlehem, He came in humility and in meekness and to a degree in human 
weakness. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7, we are told that Jesus made Himself of no reputation. And that word reputation is the Greek word kenosis, which means emptying. And so, in this context, when Jesus made Himself of no reputation, it means that the Son of God emptied Himself, and to what degree and to what dimension He emptied Himself, we only have to try and comprehend that the fullness of the God, the God of heaven and earth, came down to inhabit the seed of the woman. And the development of the humanity of the Son of God in the womb of the Virgin Mary is a miracle that we cannot comprehend, and that's why the Incarnation is such an unfathomable doctrine. God took on human flesh. And in taking on human form, He did so in order that He might be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. This is our Redeemer. This is the one that we are talking about tonight. When He stated His ministry, He stated that He was coming to fulfill all that His Father had placed upon Him to do. And He did so with all willingness and all desire. And when He started His ministry, there was no doubt divine power upon Him in order to perform miracles, to raise the dead. But during His earthly time, He endured sorrow, suffering, hunger, bodily weakness, and He allowed Himself to be taken by wicked hands crucified and buried. The mystery of the God-man is that He is God manifest in the flesh, veiled in flesh. And while walking in humility, the divine nature was subdued in Him. And the glory of the Son of God was restrained in the humanity of Christ. And where it was seen once or twice in His human journey on the Mount of Transfiguration, we commented on this morning, the glory of Christ was visible as He talked with Moses and Elijah. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they came to arrest Him, the glory of Christ shone forward for a moment, and they all fell backward. But after His resurrection, He would no longer operate with any weakness or any hunger or any kind of sorrow. But in the full manifestation of divine power of which there is no limit, Christ, you see, when He rose from the dead, that is the capstone of all Christian doctrine. And the one who was born in Bethlehem in humility, now rising from the dead, is crowned Lord and King of kings and Lord of lords. And there is no longer the footsteps of humility. He is now the King and all power is given unto Him. The magnitude of this power is without any limit. In this sense, all power was given unto Him. It was reassumed, if we could put it that way, or it was taken up again 
just as a vesture that was laid aside in humility was now taken up again in honor and great glory. And our Savior is in that state today. The devil hates this. And he continues to demean the name of our Lord and His person and His character at every turn. And that is why the godless innovators, actors, and producers in Hollywood, they take every opportunity to blaspheme the name of Jesus. It's a curse word upon the name of many, many ungodly today. But every idle word will come back at the judgment seat. And the Lord tells us that by a man's words he shall be justified, and by a man's words he shall be condemned. The power of Christ is not something that is attached to Him. It is not some bolt-on thing or an aftermarket knockoff kind of power. No, it is rightfully His, and He takes it unto Himself. It is part of the essential element of the being as God, of His being as God. And as the King of kings and Lord of lords, our Savior reigns supreme. He has no legitimate challengers. The devil is already defeated. And at the end, he'll be tied up and cast into the depth of the lake of fire forever and ever. Thank God tonight, friends, we are on the Lord's side. And it is the best place that we can be. If we are in Christ, if we're saved by His grace, there is no greater place to be but under the shadow of the almighty power of the Son of God. Friend, tonight I ask you, are you born again of God's Spirit? Are you saved by sovereign grace? If you're watching online tonight, Do you know Christ belongs to you? Have you been washed in His precious blood? We were singing about that tonight. Ah, friend, make your calling and election sure. Make certain without any doubt that you are on the Lord's side. I want us to think also tonight about the extent of this power that Jesus spoke about He said, all this is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I want you to turn back to Ephesians chapter 1 that we read before. Ephesians chapter 1, and look at verse 19 and following. Paul writes, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of Him that filleth all and in all. What is the extent of the power of Jesus Christ? You could go to no better place than Ephesians 1, 19-23 for your definition. We are given here a very wide description of the power and glory of the Lord Jesus Just how far does it extend? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, 
not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. You know, when you ask an unsaved man on the street what he thinks about Christ, you may get a variety of answers. From a good man, they might say, he had noble teachings, he was a prophet, he was someone who died for his beliefs. Someone else might say he was an imposter who ended up dying as a fool would die. Those who are more determined in their hatred and their animosity against Christ, they will answer with more disdain and more satanic fury. But for all of the Christ deniers and rejectors, there is coming a day of reckoning, a day when they will give account for every thought and every word, and they will give that account to the one whom they have denied and blasphemed and scorned and ridiculed. And as they stand before the judge of all the earth, and they will give account for how they have behaved, it will be to them a desire that the rocks and the hills and the mountains would fall upon them and hide them from the face of the Lamb of God, for they will not be able to bear looking upon the one whom they have so dishonored. There is no place in the universe that will not know the heat of Christ's power. There will be no place to hide, no place to escape, for His power is in heaven and in earth. The kingdoms of this world, we are told in Revelation chapter 11, are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and forever. Oh, friends, the power of our Lord is so great, so magnificent. What do we make of all this? What are the implications to us as His people? Well, the implications are these. The building of Christ's church is a certainty. If Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, if He is alive at the right hand of the throne and the majesty on high, if He's interceding for us and for His church, if He's formulating all principalities and powers under His control, the building of Christ's church is a certainty that there is no question to. And therefore, as believers, we have great hope Another implication is this. The victory of God's everlasting kingdom is certain. And the hope that we have as believers is certain. You can put your head on your pillow tonight, friend, and rest in great peace that your Lord is in absolute and sovereign control of all things going on in this world, and He is fulfilling His purpose. Just three thoughts as we conclude the message tonight and leave with you. The conclusion is therefore this. Let us live in the light of Christ's victory every single day. Don't let a day go past where we do not enjoy what it is to live in the light of that truth and His victory. Let us serve our Lord with joy and with courage, not with fear. Let us live out and out for Him and pray that His will will be done in us. And the last point is that we will worship the King with all our hearts and all of our lives. And dear friends, to be able to do these things and to draw these conclusions from such a magnificent statement is something that will encourage us to go on through thick and thin, through hard days and through the roughest times because we know 
that we are held in the hand of our King. And He loves us with that everlasting love. We're going to close our service by singing a hymn. Number 36, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. It's a fitting hymn as we conclude our service tonight. Now, if you're not able to stay with us for 10 minutes or so of singing hymns, feel free to leave uh, at the end of this particular hymn. Number 36, let's stand to sing. Final verse, then verse number five. Oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall, we'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. Father, write this word, we pray, upon our hearts tonight and help us to draw the very clear application of truth to our hearts. Help us to rejoice in the greatness of our Lord Jesus, in His victory over death, in the great fact that He is coming again to this world. And Lord, in the meantime, let us walk by faith, not by sight, And let us rejoice each day in the great inheritance that we have in Christ. So, Lord, hear our prayers tonight and bless us now as we bring this service to a close and as we spend a few moments in praise and worship. Hear our prayers, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.